Welcome, listeners, to this post-apocalyptic nightmare. My name is Sherry, and I'll be reading the new dystopian women's lit thriller by Pernell Clath Meyer in Our Bones. Chapter 16, North Star. The coughing started a few days before. Everyone noticed, but no one said anything. Worry roiled around in their guts, hoping it was only a cough. When Rachel started struggling to breathe and was so tired that the group slowed, Laura knew that she had to be honest with herself. The situation was becoming dire. Rachel was sick, and rations were running low. Lauren fell back to walk beside her sister. How you doing? Not good. Do you think it's... Yes, I need antibiotics. Lauren dropped her head inside. We think we're only a day or two away from the border. Then maybe another day after that until we can find civilization. Do you think you can make it? I don't know. But if anything happens, you know you have to promise to take care of Ben. We're not going to talk like that. Lauren forced away her dread. Rachel's racked body faltered and Lauren grabbed her arm to steady her. Rachel's big brown eyes were filled with alarm, and Lauren felt as if she would fall apart. She picked up a sturdy stick and handed it to Rachel. This will help you keep your footing. There was no tool to help Lauren with her emotional balance. She needed to find something from within. Over the next few days, Rachel's condition worsened, her face flushed with fever and obvious confusion. She was barely able to go on. Ben and Khadija were told not to worry. They worried anyway. A sense of doom walked along with them, and Lauren prayed her most fervent prayers that they would cross the border soon. She knew that they were close. The group hiked another few hours that day before they stopped to rest. They slumped their weary selves on a scattering of dark gray covered granite boulders jutting out of the snow. The day's sun was warm and soothing and had melted the icy sheen previously encasing the boulders. Rachel could barely catch her breath. Lauren ached for her as if she herself were infirm. She was being consumed and tried desperately to cobble together something to cling to, lest she be lost. Gliding around in her consciousness were the words of those who had helped her understand parts of herself and how to just be during hard times. Lauren took in the surroundings. For all the sadness of the changes to the forest, to the world, there was still beauty. She tried to focus on feeling her sister's presence, rather than feeling her entire being. She looked at the pools of water collecting on the ragged surface of the stone. She focused on being there, then. Rosa had talked about how her love for family kept her centered when she had felt like spinning out of control, and yet it was Lauren's affection for Rachel that was the cause of her spinning now. Lauren took in the kids and Eric, collapsed on their own massive boulders. Her family was beautiful. The slate-gray rock upon which they sat was beautiful, with its crevices and bunches of tough lichen that would outlive them all. That rock, born of lava two billion years before, was as worn as Lauren herself. She pressed both her palms against its surface and felt the electric energy of time and space. Love and the circle of life woven together. She gazed about the forest and felt calm. The saplings bursting forth into life surrounding them were beautiful, 
as was the ice and the branches shining in the afternoon light. These are the places hope lived. Lauren knew to find peace. She needed to take it moment by moment. Lauren did not want Rachel to die, but she knew that one day she would, as would she and everyone she'd met. What mattered most was the sliver of time before her eyes, not dwelling in the past nor obsessing about a future she couldn't control. She also realized that she had not felt like taking her own life for so long, she'd nearly forgotten the urge. She put her head back and closed her eyes, feeling the warmth of the sun on her face. She thought of the rhythms of the earth and the solace and constancy of the moonrises and sunsets. She imagined the stars up in the sky. She breathed in confidence that she would be all right. Rachel's voice was thin and small when she asked, What do you say we stop for the night soon, huh? When they arrived at that spot to rest, Ben scrambled up on the tallest of the large boulders, as little boys and others are wont to do. He laid up there until they were ready to go, slowly chewing his chicken jerky. He hopped down on the smaller rock below and jumped to the ground. He landed with a thud, and the adults winced. He started on his feet, then fell back on his bum, grunting. From beneath him, he pulled out the object that poked him as he landed. He found a crumpled rectangular sign and read it. He had landed on the far side of the others and no one else could see. He held the sign to his chest and marveled at the treasure of his news. He was quiet for so long that Rachel called with as much energy as she had. Are you all right back there? Let me see you. I'm worried. He came around the rock with a twinkle in his eye, holding up the sign so they could see it. Ben announced, No hunting allowed. Quetico Provincial Park. Everyone looked stunned. Lorne knew what it meant. They all did. But there had been no patrols, no fencing, no drones, no nothing. It was almost unnerving. They'd been prepping for something, anything, for a coon's age. Even still, all of them felt a tingling enthusiasm to carry on. They'd made it across the border and were in Kanata. The bedraggled group swiftly located a giant white pine with long needles clinging on. It formed a canopy from the snow, and the needles below were mostly dry and comfortable. At dark, Lauren and Eric tucked Rachel and the kids in before hiking a few yards away to a clearing. Lauren pulled out the quadrant she'd made from a protractor and a couple of sticks. She found the Big Dipper and traced its handle down until she located the North Star, enthusiastically guiding lost travelers for millennia with their light. Aligning the instrument and star, Lauren measured the angle. Eric was looking at the map with the flashlight. We're about here, I'm thinking. We're probably only a half day or so away from this little nothing of a place called Hilltown. I wonder what we'll find when we get there. Despite Lauren's insights that night, she was no Zen master and never would be. She fretted just not as much. Old habits die hard. Yeah, me too. Rachel's symptoms were far worse by morning, and she carried on with Eric and Lauren carrying her on their backs as much as possible. Lauren could tell that Rachel was embarrassed. She was a proud woman, just like Lauren was, just like Anne had been, all in their own ways. The glory of crossing the border had faded, but before utter despair set in, the trees opened up, and they stumbled upon a well-maintained paved road. They all rushed toward it with as much zest as they could, and wept for joy. They walked along the gravel side of the road for only an hour or so before the sounds of humanity drifted toward them. 
car engines and doors slamming could be heard in the distance. Soon a sign appeared. Hilltown, one kilometer. Dell's holler, 12 kilometers. Lauren shot Eric and Rachel a smile. The last bit into town was both the easiest and the hardest of their journey, as the hope in their hearts wanted to pull them along faster than their bodies would allow. Within the hour, they were on the outskirts of the pocket-sized village. On the main strip, there were vehicles of all sorts, from golf carts to a fancy motorcycle parked out around a smattering of businesses. A small square with benches and Canadian flag gave Lauren some assurance. She crossed her fingers. A two-story clapboard building hosted both a cafe and a hotel sign. Across the way, Top O'Hill Tavern spilled music out onto the sidewalk. Lauren felt as if she had been transported back to a tiny town she'd visited from her childhood, like Wyckoff or Nairstrand. The party headed straight to the hotel to get Rachel into a bed. When they opened the door of the hotel, lingering smells of magnificence from the cafe's lunch service brought vicious growls to their stomach. The two spaces were completely open to each other, and only dimmed lights and changes in floor covering to signal the different rooms. There were two people behind the counter busying themselves with restaurant things. Lauren could not not read an enormous rough sawn sign against the wall that read, I took a walk in the woods and came out taller than the trees, Thoreau. A long, sturdy branched tree was etched into the spaces around the words and dominated the compact space. Ben and Khadija were beside themselves with intrigue at the experience of arriving there. Lauren thought it must have been for them like being transported into a different world. Khadija had never been to a town, let alone a restaurant. Bed could only remember driving by collections of buildings, not so much going inside. Rachel didn't take him out unless she had to. Lauren could see the relief on her sister's face. Rachel told Lauren the day before that she was angry with herself for being sick and that not being able to care for Ben was like being dead already. Lauren had tried to console her, but Rachel had shriveled inside herself. The proprietress of the establishment was Georgia, who wore her glasses on her head and a fake smile. She looked up to see the bedraggled crew, put her glasses on, and discarded the smile. Look what the cat's dragged in here now, she said, and rolled her eyes to Ralph, her husband and fellow proprietor of the place. Eric croaked. Can we get some food and we need a few rooms? We've got money. Rachel had exchanged thousands of U.S. dollars into Canadian dollars in anticipation many years before. Georgia sneered. How about I see this money first? Lauren fished out the money. Here, this is enough for you? Can't you see my sister is sick? She was offended. Georgia barbed. That worries me too. What's wrong with her? I don't need you bringing anything in here. Eric said, we're pretty certain that she picked up anthrax from a herd of dead deer we came across. It's not contagious. Then how'd she get it? Rachel coughed. Hi, I'm a person. My name is Rachel. And the reason it's not contagious from me to you is because it's only transmitted from dead things to living things. I'm still alive, as you can see. It's called science. Rachel had been a medical librarian at the clinic and taken part in the worldwide marches for scientific advancement before the president consolidated power. He threw the country back into the dark ages by firing scientists, dismantling agencies, and falsifying government data. Nothing that came out of Washington could be trusted in the least, which had a corrosive effect around the world. Americans had never understood how much its example of a peaceful transition of power was a beacon across the globe. When the light of the U.S. democracy dimmed, authoritarianism and repression marched on in governments around the world. 
Georgia inspected the wad of bills. Fine. Business has been slow, and kids are about the only people I can stand. The cafe is closed, but I can make you up some rooms. How many do you need? Eric said, I don't think you understand. We haven't eaten a real meal in weeks. We're near starved. Georgia crossed her arms. I don't think you understand. I said we're closed. Ben broke down. Please, lady, I can smell whatever you have. I will not sleep. I will lay there and cry, please. Ralph spoke up. I've got a pot half full of soup. I can get you. It's still hot. Georgia, can you stop? Georgia made a face behind his back. Fine. More dishes to wash. Wonderful. She was all pinched rudeness. How many rooms do you want? I got the doll room, the train one, hmm, the teddy bear one, too. Three enough? Lauren furrowed her brow at the absurdity of the question after what they'd been through. We'll just take two, I guess. Not the doll one, okay? The others. Ralph came back within a beat, carrying an overflowing basket of bread with dishes of butter and small knives. As they gobbled it up, Ralph said, Don't mind her. You folks look like you've been through a thing or two. Eric grabbed the last slice of bread and asked, Can we get another? Lauren tore off bits smothered in butter for Rachel. It was the most delicious thing Lauren had ever eaten in her life, but Rachel could hardly swallow. Lauren soaked a cloth in water from her cup and placed it on Rachel's forehead and smoothed the curly wisps of hair around her face. It had gotten tangled and full of knots. She kissed her sister and didn't let herself cry. In a beat, Ralph and a teen girl wearing yellow shoes brought in steaming bowls of soup. Lauren slurped and chewed as quickly as she could and had Eric feed Rachel broth while she took off to find the doctor. She went up to the counter and asked Ralph, Is there a medical clinic or anything around? He pointed to the top of the hill. Lauren whimpered. She was anxious as she charged across the plowed lot to get to the bar. She opened the door and a lonely singer crooned out from the radio. It was as seedy a bar as Lauren had ever seen. Mud caked the floor and a light bulb flickered in the corner. A few dozen patrons filled the stools and the doctor was the loudest and drunkest among them. Someone pointed him out and Lauren approached. My sister's sick. I hear you're the doctor. He guffawed and slapped his knee. That's what they say. How well I fancy they're right. He drains his beer. She needs antibiotics. The doctor mused. Antibiotics, huh? What's wrong with her? We aren't certain, but we think it's anthrax. He yelled so loud the others in the bar stared. Anthrax? Well, why the hell didn't you say that? Yes, you need to get her some antibiotics right away. He signaled the bartender for another beer. Lorna is ready to yank him off the stool by the collar of his flannel shirt. Can we go then? Go where? Lauren's face turned red. To get the antibiotics. Oh, oh yes, I don't have what she needs. I'll need to put it in order. I should get it in a few days. I've been seeing so many cases, I can't keep them in stock. Can you at least come and examine her, Lauren said with exasperation. Sure I can. Sure, sure. Just let me finish this drink. Where is she? Lauren waited while she saw him plug the order for the medicine into his cell phone and went back to the hotel, waving her hands around and swearing. She was certain that Rachel wouldn't last and had zero confidence in that fool. She thought of Mariam and what a good care provider she'd been. Lauren felt a twinge of guilt at how she had initially misjudged her and so many others. The doctor staggered over a few hours later and fudged his way through the exam. He belched and said, I think you're right. He dug around in his pocket and pulled out a couple of pills. 
Here's something for the pain. Can I get your number uh, to let you know when the antibiotics come in? He winked slow and limp. Lauren hadn't used a phone to call forever. They used the ham radios at the resistance camp, but she had music and could sometimes pick up a scattered signal. She said, I don't have a number and all that. Oh, I can set you up in a jiff. You know, I sense you're American. You've got the scent of desperation about you. Lauren needed the medicine, so she didn't want to piss off the only lifeline she'd had at the moment. You can fuck all the way off, you drunken prick, she thought. But she said, can you just call the room, please? What's this one? Teddyville? The other one, Train Town? I feel sorry for you with this stupid shit. Lauren swore, but coming from a doctor, it seemed off-putting. But he was quite drunk, which was even more off-putting. When he left, Lauren murmured, I'm sorry about him. He's the only doctor we've got, Rachel whispered. Both these kinds will need you. Inside Lauren's mind, a bullhorn went off. She did not want to be a mom. She wanted to be an auntie. She felt selfish and weak. She tried to will it away, but couldn't and wanted to run. She soothed herself by soothing her sister. You'll be okay. You will. Let's just get some sleep. Lauren was surprised as so many years and hurts had passed between them. Lauren didn't think it was possible to love her so thoroughly as she did in that moment. She climbed in bed and folded into her sister like she'd done when she was little. Vivid dreams and nightmares stuck with her each snatch of time she was able to sleep. One such dream was of Rachel sitting on that same rock where the little girl had been sitting in her dream all those years before. Rachel's face was warm and bright. Lauren asked, Why are you so happy? I'm taller than the trees now, Lauren. Then she was gone. Lauren sat up in a horror to see Rachel's face frozen and lifeless. No, 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 Rachel! Grief swallowed like a tsunami crushing her and dragging her out to sea. Lauren buried her face in the pillow and screamed and screamed until her throat was raw. I don't know if I can do this without you, she sobbed, but I will try. I will try to get these kids to Nasia with everything I have. She laid her cheeks against Rachel's back and hoped she was strong enough for what she was now called to do. That's it for this episode. If you'd like to read along with my novel, In Our Bones, it's available wherever you get your books. Also, be sure to hit me up online. My info is in the show notes below. Thanks much. <laughs>